Last week, Wells College President Dr. Jonathan Gibraltar published a stunning letter which left the college and regional community in a state of shock. It simply said, if students cannot return on campus this fall, Wells College will not survive. He assumed the presidency in 2015, and it's safe to say that this letter was the most significant of that tenure. What's next for Wells College? Is this an indicator about what's coming for private colleges across upstate New York? Those questions and so many more as we go one-on-one with Dr. Gibraltar about the future of small liberal arts campuses like the one in Aurora, New York. First of all, thanks so much for being here. Can you walk me through your mindset as you sat down and wrote that letter? You know, Josh, um, every college and university in the country right now is under enormous stress. Um, Yesterday, the Cal State system, the entire system, 340,000 students announced they would not be opening for in-classroom instruction in the fall. Um, Nobody knows what the future holds. Um, There are many steps that need to be taken in New York State for higher education campuses to gain approval to be reopened in the fall. And while Wells and, and, and all of those campuses are planning to reopen, um, I think right now there's so much uncertainty about what the next few months hold that um, I just felt that I needed to be honest and reflective about what the potential is for the future. And one of the pieces of feedback that I've gotten sort of off the record from a lot of, a lot of folks in higher education is that uh, you said what a lot of them are, are or have been thinking, but maybe don't, for one reason or another, have the, have the resources around them to be able to say. Um, curious, why not take the wait-and-see approach, or more of a wait-and-see approach, I guess, um, in terms of vocalizing what you did so early in the process? You know, Josh, um, everybody has to get up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror. And it is so important for the sake of our community that everybody know the truth. And um, are we making plans to reopen in the fall? Absolutely we are, Um, you know, um, testing. Um, contact tracing, isolation if necessary, um, working to uh, have alternates to the traditional 15-week academic calendar, combinations of online and in-person, appropriate amounts of personal protective equipment. But, you know, this moment is something that nobody can really anticipate what's gonna be on the other side of it. And from my perspective, this is an opportunity for our alumni, our students, our faculty and staff, and everybody that loves Wells to step up and help. We are now launching a uh, major fundraising campaign that is going to be swift and decisive and is going to give everybody an opportunity to step in and support us. Um, We also um, have been reaching out through our alumni network and through our entire community to our federal representatives to give as much support as they need for a next federal stimulus bill and for that federal stimulus bill to include funds for higher education, 
But, you know, listen, look at what's going on. You know, George Washington University announced a 100 to $300 million deficit next year. Um, colleges and universities are just now beginning to really fully understand what the full impact of this could be as they begin to ponder the fall semester. What were some of the circumstances uh, at Wells that uh, created uh, some of the challenge, or I guess some of the financial concerns beyond the pandemic? Obviously, Wells has been going through a bit of a uh, rebuilding slash transition over the last couple of years. Walk us through a little bit about uh, what that looked like uh, from, say, a couple of years ago to present day. Yeah, I mean, Josh, you know, um, honestly, um, Wells has been on a bit of a roller coaster ride for 25, 30 years. And, um, and the reality is that, you know, um, when I came to Wells five years ago, we developed a really solid, comprehensive plan. When I arrived, we put forward and had approved eight new academic majors. We did enormous renovation on the campus, um, you know, taking our old and, and chain-shut science building and turning it into a hub of activity on the campus. Our alumni and foundations supported creating a student union on campus. We redid our gym and put in a new turf athletic field. We made enormous investments in our residence halls, academic programs, academic technology, and, and, and during all of that, um, a couple of things happened. First of all, um, the state of New York announced the Excelsior Scholarship Program, which um, assured free tuition for all New York state residents to attend a state or city university campus. And then in, in the midst of all of that, in addition to that, um, you know, there was a demographic trend that was on the decline of high school aged students in the state of New York. So we're facing a decrease in potential students and most of our students are from New York. We're facing free tuition for students to go to a SUNY or CUNY campus. And now we're facing a pandemic. It's a lot for sure. Um, when you look at fall 2020, as of now, what does, you mentioned, you kind of mentioned some broad points earlier. Uh, what does the fall 2020 semester look like on Wells campus? Well, right now, what the fall 2020 um, uh, semester looks like is, and I want to preface this by saying, if the state of New York permits us to reopen, right, that's a big if. Um, but if they permit us to reopen, um, students would have to be tested by their primary care physician before they come to Aurora. They would then have to be tested once they arrive back in Aurora. Anytime they leave campus and return, they'd have to be tested again. Um, possibly, but we don't know for sure. We may offer our courses in short blocks of three weeks. So it's more intensive courses um, instead of a full 15 week semester. And since there's current conversation about the fact that the, um, that the um, pandemic will uh, the virus will have a resurgence in the winter. We're looking at the possibility of having the fall semester done by Thanksgiving so that we can have students back home. Are you concerned at all about um, a scenario where some colleges 
decide, decide to throw the towel in on the fall semester and others don't, say the state does allow colleges to make sort of a, a campus by campus decision. Are you concerned at all by, by that possible outcome and how that might affect the colleges that do choose to stay open? Josh, you know, I, it, it's a hard question to answer, but I do want to say this, that I think that the, the colleges and universities that are located in large metropolitan areas are going to be more at risk than colleges that are located in rather remote areas like Aurora. Also, um, you know, we're not a college that has 10, 15, or 20,000 students. We have about 400 students. And so I think it's going to be a lot easier for us to um, support and assist a small community in a rural area where, you know, um, there are no, um, there, there aren't, there is no reported instance of COVID-19 in Aurora. So I think we can keep the community a lot safer than, um, uh, than, than colleges and universities in large metropolitan, in large metropolitan areas. So I want to throw this question to you because I've seen it a lot on social media whenever this, this, converse, this debate comes up about the future of higher education, and I'm assuming you have a pretty good answer for it. Um, the, the question of endowments and why can't universities or colleges just dip into their endowments and cover the difference and move forward? I'm sure you have heard it a, a billion times, and you're probably going to hear it a billion more times over the next two to three months. Um, can you walk our listeners through why it isn't that simple and why it's a lot more complicated than that? Um, endowments are established by donors who give gifts to colleges and universities with restrictions. And those restrictions direct us in the way that the money gets distributed. So first people need to understand that if a college has a $10 million endowment, that they're only permitted to spend four to five percent of the of the, of the interest generated by that endowment. So um, you know, if a college dips into the corpus of their endowment, they would then be negatively affecting their not-for-profit status and could potentially put the administration of the college at grave risk. So it's so important for people to understand that an endowment is not a bank account. Can I, I just want to jump in and say, you know, there's one Ivy League president who, you know, this, this particular college, which is not in New York State, has something on the level of 15 or $20 billion of endowment. And their president has said, you know, the endowment does not have, does not save us from having to make tough choices or exercise financial discipline. So that's exactly along the lines of what President Gibraltar is saying. You know, all colleges, big and small, are facing similar tough choices. And when you look at, uh, and both of you, I guess, can can weigh on weigh in on this one because it seems like it's one of the the more uh, immediate concerns when when students or faculty or even just residents in the community hear the word closure. Um, the the first question that's likely to come to the mind of many is. What does this mean for the students? And what does this mean for incoming students or would-be incoming students? Well, again, we're putting the majority of our effort right now, Josh, into reopening. But I do, um, it is important to understand that our students come first. 
and that um, if, as the summer progresses, we find out that there just is no road forward or the governor says, I'm sorry, higher education is not going to be able to continue in the fall, um, you know, then we need to work with every single student individually to help them to land on their feet someplace else. I also need to add though, Josh, that, you know, be aware that many of our, uh, many of every college student's family right now is potentially impacted by the fallout of COVID-19. Our economy is still at a standstill. 20, over 21 million people have lost their jobs in the last seven, eight weeks. So many, many, many people are gonna be faced with the economic consequences of this pandemic and then the economic, uh, economically informed decisions that they have to make for their future. When, as you guys go through the, the spring and summer process or what a normal spring and summer process would be um, uh, for preparing, uh, at what point do you guys start to look at your commitment numbers for the fall? Is that a process that's already, you know, sort of underway, or is that something that comes a little later in the spring towards summer? Oh my, we we we've been looking at our our first of all, we moved our um, applic uh, our our deposit deadline from May first to June fourth. Uh, first, about four hundred colleges and universities in the country have made this switch and giving students a little bit more time to decide. Um, and in addition to that, you know, just because a student makes a commitment and, and, and pays a deposit, we work with them all through the summer to keep them engaged, to orient them, to make sure that during the course of the summer, they perhaps don't change their, their decision. Um, you know, I also want to say when you talked about students and what we're doing to support them, you know, that um, many colleges and universities and Wells is, uh, is, 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 is doing this as well. When from the date that students left campus, we're refunding them room and board. In addition to that, the federal stimulus bill, the CARES Act, um, provided funding to every college and university in the country that's being dispersed through the Department of Education. Understand that the college is the trustee of that money. We don't actually ever lay hands on that money. So um, now that we have the distribution methodology clear from the Department of Education, students actually are going, uh, are going to be um, going into a link and they're going to be um, putting in an application for the funds and checks are going to start going out next week. So, you know, the federal government has really stepped up and, 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 and tried to help students who have had to deal with the economic fallout of this pandemic. In addition, Josh, at Wells, we formed a virtual food pantry where um, many of us donated money. And we did that um, so that students who were having trouble at their homes with food, they could file an application with us and we would send them a, uh, a gift card to a grocery store in their community for $50 and they could apply again. And we've distributed about $2,000 worth of gift cards. And uh, in addition, I wanna say because of the disruption that COVID-19 has caused, and I wanna make sure that 
what I say is, is clear, we're going to be offering online education to our students this summer at no tuition charge. But I want to make it clear that that's not open to the public. That's only open to currently enrolled Wells students out of our understanding that this has been a really tough semester so that they can maybe get a, get a leg up on, on a course that maybe they didn't achieve well in this semester or a course that maybe they want to take towards their degree requirements. Was the next question that a lot of people often ask after hearing that is, does that mean the professors are teaching for free? And the answer is no, we will pay the professors as we normally do. Right. Uh, so I, I guess my, my follow-up to that, and it's sort of broad in that uh, it, it seems to be the, the trendy topic or the, the trendy phrase gap year. Uh, is this going to be the year of, of gap years? And are we concerned at all about the sort of long-term impact for a college like Wells if we see more students opt for that as opposed to immediately coming out to the college uh, this fall? I, you know, first of all, I can't answer the question about whether students will decide to take a gap year. Um, in my surveys that I've read and in my conversations with our students, many of them say they want to get back to school. Now, again, you know, it's going to be predicated on what happens in the state of New York and what that means and what that might look like, right? But, you know, just like the Cal State system announced yesterday that they're not going to be opening any of their campuses next fall, I think that every college and university president in the country is trying to assess what happens, what the financial fallout is, if in fact students say, I need to take a year off. And my last question, uh, I want to end on a positive note. Um, one thing that makes you optimistic looking forward, not just uh, about sort of the community in general, but, but higher education and the importance of it, especially now during a pandemic. You know, I've spent the last thir 33 years of my life in higher education as um, a faculty member, as uh, an administrator, and, and I love what I do. And I love what I do because I have an opportunity to be in the presence of incredibly intelligent uh, and optimistic and hopeful young people. And, and, and that's what this is about in my mind. It's about our students and because they are our future. And so I, I you know, every generation has to step back and look at what the generation before them has been about and look at what their life in the present moment is going to be about. And so, you know, for so many young people today, I still believe that education is uh, something that sets you free and allows you to, pay, to have a path for yourself that creates enormous opportunity. There may be a pause. Um, there may be a, uh, a moment where people have to pivot and rethink what that looks like. But at the end, I really think that the value of education is going to become even more important than it has been in our past.
No, I appreciate both of your time and obviously uh, the best of luck with everything moving forward. A lot of uncertainty, but the work you guys are doing is clearly really, really important for uh, not just higher education, but, but for the region and uh, the Finger Lakes. Yeah, thanks, Thank Josh. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Inside the Finger Lakes Saturdays and Sundays on FingerLakes1.com or wherever you get podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a review or rating the show five stars. Both help a great deal. For more great conversations like these, check out our daily debrief. It goes inside the headlines with pieces of the great conversations we have on this and other shows. One last favor. If you can, consider becoming a supporter. You're not going to see any paywalls on FingerLakes1.com, but good journalism does cost money, and relying solely on advertisers is an industry-tried but largely untenable model. Visit Patreon.com slash FL1 to become a monthly supporter. If you have any questions, have an idea for a show, or just want to say hello, drop us a line at InsideTheFLX at FingerLakes1.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.